On this episode of The Failure Report, we examine how Clay Cook found his creative voice and became an internationally sought-after photographer. Thick Clay, thank you so much for being here with me today. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. So before our show started, I told you I've been admiring you from afar. I feel like Instagram is the way that we all connect. And there's something very magical about slipping in somebody's DMs and them call- and them writing you back and saying, hey, yeah, I would actually love to do an episode of The Failure Report. So thank you so much for being available and checking your DM messages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, outside of a text message, it's like the way we communicate. So I know, which is crazy, but yeah. uh, it's the, the world we live. Is this the world we live in? It's the world we live in. So I want to jump right into some questions because you are a world traveler. You've been back on this hemisphere for just a few days. Um, You have an amazing career. Um, You're young. You're talented. I want to know how you started. Like, how did you decide that photography was what you wanted to do? Is it something you studied in school? Just tell me the story. Yeah, no. um, I kind of took the the road of the hard work, hard knocks kind of story, you know. I was in a band for 10 years, uh, touring bands, hard rock bands. Yeah. Um, I started at the age of 16 and uh, playing music. Mm-hmm. And then we started playing like, you know, small clubs and bars around Louisville. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of expanded into going on tour right out of high school. Wow. And so I actually went to uh, Louisville for about half a semester and I would, would like just dropped out. I was like, no, nah, this it's isn't for me. me. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I'm just going to go hit the road. And mm-hmm. so, um, Collectively, my band made that decision, and we um, we went uh, out on tour for about the next ten years. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were we were in you know we recorded, and then we'd go play shows, and we'd be on for like two or three months. Then we'd be home for about a month, then yeah. we'd go back on. So I really learned a lot during that period of time. And met a lot of people. I mean, yeah. nomadic life is the life for me. So I'm sure it was you enjoyed it. It huh? 100% a nomadic <laughs> life. No money. I was yeah. completely broke. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. But it was cool. And then during that time, um, you know, I always enjoyed the photography process, like mm-hmm. saying this in a non-narcissistic way. I enjoyed being photographed myself, mm-hmm. not because of that, but because... Sure of the process and like seeing what the photographer did and seeing the lights. Like I love seeing this kind of stuff. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really enjoyed that process. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time I was doing graphic design, just designing my own bands, album artwork and um, designing my own bands, um, flyers and things we needed to promote ourselves. Mm -hmm. And oh yeah. Heck yeah. I was on MySpace. (laughs) freak yeah i love it yeah <laughs> wait look at the memory he's like yeah yeah just <laughs> reminiscing on the myspace days but we uh that it was, was a good time and um and so eventually you know um the i had to transition quite a bit from doing music into graphic design and then i had the i had so many clients built up at that point for graphic design mm. um record labels and whatnot that i had to uh, pick up a camera to mm-hmm. transition. Um, uh, I had to pick up a camera to um, shoot a lot of this stock photography. I see. Yeah. Um, to implement into the graph design. Yeah. So, so that's how. And so that was your. That's how you picked up a camera. It was kind of much. like. I need this for this, so let me figure out how I can do this. So it wasn't like, oh, I want to be a photographer because I just have an eye, keen eye. Mm-hmm. You just kind of like was out of need. 
Yep. So That's it was okay. this. It was this one of those things where I was getting requests to like, oh, can you uh, Photoshop this like bald eagle into this um, <laughs> house, like attacking somebody, or like just crazy yeah, requests? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I have to shoot it or right. uh, try to get various things put together to implement that into uh, it, it, like the, all those elements together to implement a graphics line. Like the first shoot I did mm-hmm. was the client requested that they wanted a client. This was Universal Records. It was a band called uh, Lazarus AD. Okay. And they (laughs) wanted a family on the beach in the 1960s covered in oil. Okay. Because it was right around the time of the BP oil Mm -hmm. spill. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to make a statement. And so what I did was just hire a bunch of my friends and then I photographed them in my backyard in front of some sort of background like this yeah. and covered them in Hershey's chocolate. That's it. It's and I, Yeah. I brought in like <laughs> 200 pounds of sand, like all this stuff. I mean, that didn't sound like it was a lot of sand. Yeah. Play sand. And they just like filled this backyard area and, and shot that. And then I composed that into the album. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about creatives to me is I would instantly – I call myself a creative, but I'm definitely like on the border, right? Because mm-hmm. I would be like, we got to go to the beach. You know, it would never occur to me to be like, or where are we going to get so much oil? It would never say like, use something else to emulate this. And then I can make it look like this. You know what I mean? So you've always had like that being a musician and then being, you know, being pushed into this, I, you know, this realm of photography, it kind of forced you in that space. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, you know, the, the big question is you started out album cover, you started out music. You have such a distinct niche. Mm. How did you identify your niche and that you were good at? You know, is that something that happened over time? Um, and just, I would, I would love to know how you found that. Yeah. Um, so when I got into it, um, you know, I was shooting a lot of that stock photography and it was really creative. It was really like expressive as far as like, um, uh, the way that I would light things and do mm-hmm. things. Like I wanted it to be very dramatic all the time. Right. It's funny because um, I actually started photography opposite of what most photographers start out. Right. Um, I started shooting in the dark because it was the only way I could control artificial light and mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. So um, most photographers start just shooting natural light and just right. like daylight and they work with the sun. But I started the opposite. So I only shot at night. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is I was managing a day job at the time. So I usually just shot at night. Because that's um, the time I had. <laughs> so anyway, because of that, I started leaning in the direction of like very these, these dramatically lit sort of uh, leaning on like fashion and leaning mm. on sort of uh, conceptual sort of end of photography. And I really started enjoying that. Join Effort Business and Marketing Consulting specializes in finding solutions for startups, small businesses, and nonprofits. We offer branding, marketing, social media management, development, and capacity building consulting services to companies who are just starting out or need help taking their business to the next level. Please contact us online for a consultation at joineffortllc.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at joineffortllc. Because, you know, and, and jumping right back in, you know, you talk about your niche. I, f- I feel like your niche is portraits. What yeah. do you see your niche as? Yeah, so I... Um was shooting a lot of that fashion work, was mm-hmm. shooting a lot of that concept work, and then started being hired by local publications to sort of implement that sort of style into some of the creative direction that they had, such as like derby editorials mm-hmm. or uh, portraits or whatever that is, uh, was at the time. And so 
Um, like my first hired gig was a magazine called In Focus Magazine. It was back in the day. Yeah. And uh, I shot a cover for them. It was a portrait of, uh, I think there was like four or five philanthropists that yeah. I photographed. And so um, so that was my first job. And, and I really started uh, the last like couple years sort of getting away from fashion and more into the portrait world just because I'm really inspired by storytelling more than anything else these days. And there's this, it's a great importance and a great need in mm -hmm. the world. So um, that's when I started really focusing on that, that niche of portraiture. That's amazing. When did you start calling yourself a professional photographer? Yeah, That's a hard <laughs> one to say. You know what I mean? Like to say, tell, tell somebody that I'm a professional opera singer is like, well, who judges that? You know? Right. <laughs> I kind of, I went full time in 2013, 2014, I think, mm -hmm. which is fairly quick. Um, you know, some people like jump in um, and just do it. Um, I didn't. I transitioned slowly. So okay. I still had a day job at the time. Um, I was actually doing social media for a photography retail store here locally um, that still exists called Outdoor Photo Gear. Shout mm -hmm. out. <laughs> um, they, uh, they gave me a lot of opportunities to have the freedom to do photography on the mm -hmm. side and then, because mm -hmm. they were a photography retailer. Um, and then I started doing, um, more and more and more shoots to where I was making more money doing photography than I was at that job. And yeah. so at that point I had to transition out of that. And so honestly, when I went full time, um, I was already doing the same thing I'd been doing for a while. For so it didn't while. feel like a big jump for yeah. me whatsoever. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of individuals had that story, you know, like my, when my side hustle became a full-time hustle, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's kind of, that it was just an easy transition for you to yeah. be able to move into that. Are you still a musician? Do you still yeah. tinker a little? <laughs> yeah, my band actually had a 10-year reunion show last year. Um, awesome. And that we never had a last show because mm -hmm. we sort of ended on a, a very abrupt um, note and so we uh, we played our 10-year reunion show last year and it was a lot of fun and I'm glad that chapter is closed That's and closed. you know uh, can move on from that yeah what did you play uh, guitar yeah that's awesome though yeah I, I um, do you still play just because yeah you know I do um, here and there yeah. um, I think that um, it's different music is different for me now mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I was in the business for so long and it kind of burned me a little bit yeah. so um, so music I look at music differently and uh, I can consume it differently than a lot of people but yeah. um, I still every now and then I still pick up a guitar and, and, and you know jam around yeah jam it out a little bit so getting back to portraits you know it's interesting because I I can assume that when people ask you to shoot you know random things like my wedding or these things you're you are your you're a business owner mm. how do you say no you know have you found yeah. it hard to say that's not what i do i congratulations on your baby bump but i don't do baby pictures congratulations on your restaurant but i'm not a food photographer like, right how do you do that and how do you manage it or do you i do it often yeah i, I have to say no quite often because um that's honestly how i've built the brand that i have mm -hmm. is by saying no because mm -hmm. um a lot of photographers get in that zone of just being yes people and taking small jobs here and there, mm -hmm. and then they're suddenly branded at that that overall cost. Yeah. So, because yeah. um, word spreads around fast, especially in a small small market like Louisville. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I I turned down a lot of those small jobs initially, um, just to uh, 
uh, make sure t- that I instilled in people that I was of a certain level and caliber yeah. and echelon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and I get a lot of inquiries at first, uh, not so much anymore, but at first for the weddings and the, the <laughs> retail, what we call retail work, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, your B2C work, which mm-hmm. is business to consumer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm B2B, so I only deal with businesses in the commercial world. So, um, I did, I did get a lot of those inquiries for retail work and then I have some really great friends that do retail work and I just refer them off to them all the time. Yeah. That's really great though, yeah. because it is hard as a business owner to say no, you know, mm-hmm. because you don't know where the next opportunity is coming from sometimes, you know, they're not just, in your case, you got him knocking at the door, but, uh, you guys have to visit his Instagram. I'm not being a facetious. He truly does, but it's scary. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> it's it's scary to say like, okay, I'm not going to take this, you know, this big wedding shoot that is epic. You know what I mean? But it's not my niche. It's not, it won't yeah. fit in my portfolio. It has no place. And if it doesn't make me, if it doesn't add value, then why? It's- yeah. I mean, in the first couple of years, I did pretty much everything, but I was learning. I was learning. Mm-hmm. I was finding that niche, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I shot babies and families <laughs> and weddings and I did all that stuff the first like two years until I really started, you know, evolving into mm-hmm. what it is now, evolving my photography into what it is now. But um, I decided to shoot just everything just to learn what I didn't like to do. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I learned what I did, did like, like to, do. to do. And he said that portraits are the opportunity to tell stories. Yeah. How so? Um, you know, I, I really cut my teeth in the editorial world. So shooting for local magazines in Louisville mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, sometimes you know, the money's not that great sure. in, in, in local magazines, but um, it really gave me the opportunity to build my portfolio and to learn a lot about storytelling mm-hmm. and learn about um, how powerful a portrait can be mm-hmm. um, to tell that story that somebody writes about, you know, the person that's in the photograph. And so, um, and then when I got into sort of more of this humanitarian photojournalistic work, then I really started understanding the power of uh, a portrait or the power of uh, photography and, and storytelling. So it's really amazing. Yeah, That's and amazing. I think that like um, it's a really important uh, thing because we're all shooting photography every day, right? Mm-hmm. We all mm-hmm. are now mm-hmm. yeah, with our phones, mm-hmm. and I think that um, it's the new written word. So photography is, and so it's really of the utmost importance that we understand the importance of. Um, sharing stories and, and sharing empathy in storytelling and photography. That's interesting. Is it? Do you find it more difficult? And I don't know the answer to this. To find like B to B jobs because individuals feel like they can do it themselves. Like I take really good Instagram selfies. <laughs> I can do it too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or is it that individuals realize like no, there's a level of expertise that comes along with a professional photographer. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say, like, really clients at that level hire you not because you can take a picture, but more for the process that you deliver. I see. Um, so, you know, like, a, I don't know, just taking a hypothetical, like a GoDaddy or something, is gonna, mm-hmm. it's going to hire you not because you are talented necessarily, but you can onboard crew, you -hmm. can provide all the resources that um, they need for the shoot, and then uh, most importantly, they can trust you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
Um, that's a big thing. They want to be able to trust you to take this big concept that they have on their shoulders and take it off them and then deliver it in something that's tangible at that yeah. point. So um, the big big uh, commercial clients are hiring you more for the process than they are the necessarily the product, but it's really both. You know? That's interesting. That's interesting. So you talk like a businessman, you think like a musician, yeah. you rock out like a mu- and you take pictures like an, an epic professional. How did you become a business person? There's so many things that go into what you're doing. Like I said, you just got back from Tanzania. How do you find these opportunities? How do you say, I'm going to do this, and I manage this, and I do this? Do you have a team? Do you have a guardian angel that sits out here and returns phone calls and emails for you? How do you do all those All of those things. All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I'm a lucky dude because I was raised in a family that um, my mom was an interior designer, and my dad was a businessman, um, owned his own business. And so he, I really got sort of that left brain, right brain um, upbringing to where, um, you know, I'm able to balance and, and dip into the both worlds pretty heavily. Um, I've taken tests and all this stuff, personality tests. And um, so I really got a lot of that business sort of mindset from my dad and a lot of the creativity from mom. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I kind of went um, when I uh, the band broke up in 2010. Um, I sort of implemented all the things that I learned mm-hmm. and sort of that mindset and mentality of, of networking and, you know, hard work and, um, you know, just putting your head down and, and getting to work kind of thing mentality to photography. And it, things started really moving fast. That's awesome. Um, and so throughout that, I learned a lot about the business of photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned that through various mentors and various uh, people that I collaborated with That's often. Awesome. Yeah, mentors. That's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because oftentimes we take for granted the fact that somebody else has done this before. Like, And often people want to be able to share their knowledge. You know, this is why we have the failure report. It's one of those things like learn from my mistakes as opposed to having to make your own, right? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of... The whole premise of our show is to be an online mentorship, a mentor. You know what I mean? Right. Learn how to run a business and learn, take keys and clues from just our interviews to be able to implement. So if you were to be able to give a piece of advice to a photographer who is, you know, trying to also be a photographer and run a business, what would that be? Oh, boy. Um, it's almost two sides of the brain. It's really hard because I have um, interns and I mentor a lot of other young photographers and um, it's really a switch that you have to, to make to get into that business mindset because mm-hmm. so many people that I know um, have all the creativity and all the talent in the world, but mm-hmm. they don't really understand how to operate a business. Mm-hmm. So um, on the creative side, I'd say just shoot. Yeah. You know, Just get yeah. out there, shoot, 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 and the more you shoot, the more you're going to fail, and the more you fail, the more you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, you're going to really learn what you you know don't like, so therefore you'll find that niche and yeah. find what you do like. Um, and then you do more and more of that, and then um, just never give up. I mean, that's the big so thing. Yeah. It's like so many photographers will get discouraged and they'll just um, – They'll just keep grinding their gears and um, stick up for yourself and just mm-hmm. don't give up and just uh, work it, you know. Yeah, know just your put worth. in the work. That's a hard yeah. one. You know what I mean? Because whenever you say, I charge X for a photo shoot and it's a three-hour shoot, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't believe yourself. You're like, did I just say that number? Crap. You know what I mean? They're going to say no. But it does. It takes a yeah. lot of belief to say, like, 
I'm worth it. And you, you're going to, you're going to have such a value because I, because you spent this money. Oh yeah. I did that. So, I've done that so many times where I'm like putting in estimates and bids. I'm like clicking the send. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And then I go and like go into a hole for a while. I'm like, oh, that was too much. Yeah. And, then, and then they come back and like, sure. yeah, that's great. Sounds awesome. Let's um, actually, you know, like we could probably add a couple of more things. Can you come and pre-scout and do all this? You're like, Whoa, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Take the risk, you Take know. Take the risk. Bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. Leading in Color is a podcast hosted by Dion Stokes, founder of Joint Effort, business marketing consulting, and me, Marta Miranda Straub, founder of Catapult Now, an organization and leadership development and training firm. We thrive on engaging in raw, courageous conversations and topics that unpack systems of oppression that impact leaders at the margins of white patriarchal culture. So I went to the protest, and when I went to the protest, there weren't a lot of white faces in the crowd. And I thought, what's wrong with this scenario? Because, you know, people have been organizing around all these issues, and in the, the white activist community, there was this question, why don't black people join our movements? Right, as opposed to, why aren't we at the table in their movement. We are passionate about naming and dismantling the barriers of implicit bias, raising consciousness, and forging new ways to think about leadership that does not replicate power over others and create transformational leadership models based on systems of liberation. Join Leading in Color. Join the revolution. So, in photography, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. I don't know. The lyrics just came to me. But you really do only have one shot in photography. If you miss it, then what happens? Mm. I want to hear your failure report. I know that there's been a, a time where, you know, you didn't capture it or it didn't go well. Or I can't imagine how that is because you, you do. You only get one shot in photography. No pun intended. Mm. I would love to hear the story. Yeah, you know, a lot of my failures are um on the personal aspect mm. but photography is such a personal thing it yeah. um it's very subjective and it's very um you know uh, the create the, the basis of photography is creativity mm -hmm. um so it's a very personal thing so um, i've been through a lot of personal struggles in my life you know 2010 my band broke up i got mm -hmm. a divorce that year um, and so a lot of those things were catalysts for me to work harder and push mm -hmm. harder. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, throughout my life, I've had a lot of personal struggles that um, have been the reason why I've been uh, successful at specific things in my photography career because I wanted to work harder, I pushed harder mm -hmm. um, because I wanted to accomplish all my goals. Right. I mean, there's many, many specific instances of failure throughout my photography career where, mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't get the bid or I didn't uh, do the best I thought I could do during the shoot. Um, one example is like I, uh, this past year, um, I did a big bid for Delta Airlines oh, wow. and um, didn't get the bid. Um, it actually went to some guy that like I consider like, you know, the almighty kind yeah. of thing but uh <laughs> no which is which was right. cool which was really cool to yeah. see i was like well you know yeah. that's okay, okay. <laughs> but um you know there's things like that that uh, throughout my career that inspire me to well i was like well why didn't i get that what mm -hmm. can i do better mm -hmm. and um and that pushed me to 
make changes or that push me to uh, reevaluate um, things and how to do things better and how to push further and, and faster and harder. You know? yeah. yeah, that's so interesting because, you know, as a business owner, your personal life and your business life get really entwined. You know what yep. I mean? Because if I'm if I'm happy, I'm going to be able to come in and get to work and do these things. But if I'm going through something personal, as personal as a divorce, as personal as my band breaking up, as personal as per- setbacks, you know what I mean? I carry that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And some of the individuals uh, don't always choose to take that road that you took. It, it propelled you forward. Some individuals take huge steps back. You know, yeah. they get into depression, they get into alcoholism, they, you know, utilize drugs. It's, it's easy. It's easier. You know what I mean? Because I don't have to think about it. It doesn't hurt anymore when I do these things. You know, and so it's interesting to hear you say, I pushed harder. What was going through your mind when you said, you know what, I didn't, maybe this didn't turn out the way I wanted, but I'm going to achieve these goals. What is it that pushed you forward to do? Like, that's, that's well, not heard of often. Yeah, um, you know, I was so obsessed with music and mm-hmm. my band. Um, and then when that kind of came crashing down pretty abruptly um, in 2010, and then that same year I got a divorce, mm-hmm. um, I really was just, there was there was a moment there where I mean everything changed in my life you know like I actually consider this uh, from that point on like a totally different new life you know because it really is Um, it's really crazy to think about my life before 2010 Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew that I needed to to do something to accomplish my goals and I mean the biggest goal for me is I just wanted to be my own boss I wanted to be like my dad um, you know, who, who ran a, a successful business, but I didn't um, want to do what he did, which he was in the flooring industry, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to look at flooring. You want to do floors, yeah. I didn't want to do floors. <laughs> so, you know, I was really creative um, and whatnot. So um, I knew I wanted to do something, and then when I picked up the camera and kind of started taking it seriously in that same year, mm-hmm. um, I was like, well, I'm kind of good at this. Like, yeah. I felt confident. I felt more confident in photography than I did graphic design yeah. or uh, guitar, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I was like, well, let me try to start working at that. I remember multiple conversations I had with a few friends of mine about photography. And I was like, I think I'm going to try this, you know, or, mm-hmm. or I think I'm going to just really get into this. And I just became utterly obsessed with yeah. it. Um, I shot almost every single day for years, you know? And, and did you, were these scheduled shoots, or was it like I'm going to go out and I'm going to find someone to shoot? Was um, it? it was scheduled shoots, or it was like I was actually having a conversation last night about this. Was like mm-hmm. I would um, shoot on my lunch break, so you know I had an hour lunch break in my day job, and I'd go out and um, photograph whatever I could find, or I would schedule shoots on my lunch break mm-hmm. and then come back, or I'd take all my vacation days shooting, or I would take six days just to shoot, wow. you know. So. Wow. Um, I was shooting all the time, every day, as much as humanly possible. And some of it was just like, I would be photographing my dog, or yeah. I'd be shooting uh, just this random person that, or a friend. Um, mm-hmm. I threw parties at my house just to take fo- photos of all of my friends at the party. Yeah, yeah. You know, you like, like I just did. What does it take to get y'all all over here? Right. Okay, six pack, got it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what, what I did. <laughs> and I look back, it's so funny because I, I still have all those photos. I look back and I was like, yeah, we had a good time that we had night. A good but. time, yeah. And I got some pretty good dope shots, you know, because of it. But, but yeah, I mean, I was just, I think uh, the biggest separation um, between a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in photography, is, is just that being utterly obsessed, and like a healthy mm-hmm. obsession, but sure. um, being utterly obsessed with your craft. Yeah, that's really dope. And with that obsession comes 
um, a lot of personal investment. Yep. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt so passionately about the creative direction of a shoot and the client wasn't happy with it? or they didn't see or catch your vision. How do you persuade individuals that are like, we're taking pictures of Dixie cups and we want you to hold the Dixie cup like this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. how are you like, dude, like, come on, like you're missing it. You know, how do you do yeah. that? What happens whenever you don't deliver? Or yeah. have you ever had that? You know? um, I've had it to, I mean, most of my clients that I work with in the commercial world, like they're very collaborative people to mm -hmm. a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why they're hiring you is to take something that's so, minimal and small and it might be something with dixie cups to make it something larger than life and beyond their expectations and so i usually take a very small idea and then expand on it and and put my sort of creativity and my um, style into it and just sort of like make it into something beyond what they they initially thought um now there has been times where you know i do stuff where it's um it's a little too creative or it's beyond sort of things and we have to kind of reel it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, there is, there has, that has happened a couple of times, but for the most part, so much of that is done in pre-production that okay. we go into a shoot and we know very specifically in detail to what exactly we're going to do mm -hmm. so that there's not, you know, that need to reel back or to expand on things on the job itself. That's awesome, yeah. The Ambition Planner was mindfully curated for the ambitious woman of faith. As a CEO and founder of multiple companies from a forensic marketing agency to a tech company, my days and schedule are full. As a woman of faith, it was very, very important to me to be able to find a planner that encompassed all of the things that I was looking for. Starting my day spiritually centered, being able to think about the things that I was grateful for in a culturally inclusive planner, I just could not find it. So I created the Ambition Planner. is to empower women of faith by organizing their day with a planner that offers spiritual guidance, boosts productivity, and helps identify and obtain their daily goals. The purpose of the Ambition Planner is to provide a sacred space for women to plan their day, set their goals and intentions while staying spiritually centered and productivity driven. The Ambition Planner's vision is to become every woman's most valuable productivity resource. Purchase the Ambition Planner at theambitionplanner.com. There you'll be able to pick your planner, your cover, and the best thing is, is our planners are broken down into quarters. Therefore, quarter three is just around the corner. Again, for more information, visit our website at theambitionplanner.com and start on your ambitious journey today. But yeah, I've, I mean, I've worked with clients that will um, micromanage that sort of pre-production process and they'll be very involved, which, right. you know, I, it's okay. You know, mm -hmm. I can work with them and there's people that hire me and they're like, um, just do whatever you want. Yeah. And you're like, okay, like, whatever I want or whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and there's a well, they trust me, you know, and I, awesome. it, it comes back I to trust. that trust thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to where, uh, you know, they're, they're trusting me to deliver a product. And, you know, I've, I've sometimes I've delivered things where, um, you know, I might have blown them away. And then sometimes I might have disappointed them. I don't know. Sure. Um, yeah. But there is definitely um, that fear. You know, like freedom. you fear that fear, like of I'm a creative. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about my sh I want you to like it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I don't want to be like, oh, it's good. And you're like, oh, this is great. You know, mm -hmm. it, I can imagine that being just difficult, you know. So tell me about World Travel. 
how did you get the passport stamps? You know, when did that start? Were you like, hey, National Geographic, like hire me? Or what happened that yeah. took you abroad? It was, uh, so this is sort of like the transition into where I am now, because um, I was doing so much local work at the time. Mm -hmm. Then in 2015, I got the opportunity to go to Tanzania for the first time mm -hmm. with a nonprofit called Water Boys. And um, they, Water Boys was an uh, initiative started by Chris Long, who plays for the Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL, mm -hmm. uh, played for the Patriots. And he went over there to climb uh, Kilimanjaro and then saw the need over there and yeah. was like, well, what can I do to help out? And so um, he wanted to start building water wells because water, the water crisis is pretty crazy over there. Mm -hmm. So he um, started this foundation to, to do so and brought on um, a friend of mine named Corey Deeb of Natus Films. Mm -hmm. And uh, Corey had already traveled and done some documentary work in Sudan and he needed a still photographer. And so I had never traveled outside of the United States before that. Um, and your first stop was Tanzania. My first, my first yeah. trip was to Tanzania, Africa. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I learned a lot. Yes, you did. I'm so sure. <laughs> I did a lot of research, though, and I really, like, yeah. really put everything I had into figuring it out, like what was the best way to do it. And I yeah. look back, and, you know, there was things that, I just laughed about Yeah, but, you're like, ah. Um, yeah, because I, I remember I used to live in France, and I remember, you know, on the plane practicing my greetings, you know. <laughs> and then you get there, and they're like, da -da -da -da, and you're like, uh, yeah, no. hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure there was, you know, like, this is how you order food. This is how you say please and thank you, left and right, you know, and all that's out the window when you hit there. But beautiful country. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you've left a piece of your heart there last time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so I've been very fortunate from 2015 on to travel in a lot of exotic places. Mm -hmm. um, I've been to, I think it's going on uh, 25 countries and what five years wow, something like amazing. that so and it started with one opportunity and then you get that those calls is that kind of how it bloomed? Yeah, yeah yeah um you know i did that job and i had to change my mindset too because it wasn't i'd never shot anything like that mm -hmm. i had never done any photojournalism work mm -hmm. although I, I i really didn't have any desire to do photojournalism work at the mm -hmm. time either and then when i started doing it more and more and saw the power of the you know doing that type of photography and um, have a have an indirect impact and um, an and indirect saving lives. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was really impactful on me. Yeah, yeah. And so um, at that point, I really started taking a lot of that work seriously and implementing that more into my work in my portfolio. And I got hired more and more uh, to do that kind of work. That's so. amazing. That's amazing. Because that's, that's the work of your, that's a lifetime work, you know. Yeah. Do you see yourself doing this forever? Absolutely. You know, it's um, that kind of work is is really what fuels the fire for me. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of commercial work and I do a lot of stuff that um, can be grinding and taxing. Mm -hmm. um, some of it I don't necessarily want to do, but it pays the bills yeah. sometimes. And you got to do things here and there um, that are like that. But that kind of work um, is really what has uh, kept me going in a very uh, you know, ferocious way yeah. is, is very keeping that obsession just lit, you know, as yeah. much as possible. Um, it, it was that kind of work and that kind of humanitarian stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I plan on doing it forever. forever. Um, I love it. yeah, I love it. and you know, and eventually I want to get to the point where, um, I'm, I have the ability to, um, 
you know, do work that I want to do mm-hmm. and do pro bono, more pro bono stuff mm-hmm. and, and all that. But, um, you it's know. coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming for you. That is amazing. So I, I warned you about the end of our episode that we were going to get into some rapid fire questions. Yeah, let's do it. I could probably interview for you for another half an hour. I have so many other questions. I'm like, so why do you live in Louisville? Why can't you live in New York? There's so much competition out there. I mean, how yeah. do you beat your competitors? I will leave that for our online offline conversation. Sure. Um, but so stay tuned for our offline conversation because I definitely want to get some of those answers because, geez, it's just interesting. But I want to get into our rapid fire. <laughs> I won't ask you if you. I'm scared. I know. I won't ask you if you believe in Jesus, but I will <laughs> ask you <laughs> to describe yourself in three words. Oh, okay. Um, this is rapid fire. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I can be intense. Mm-hmm. I can be. Um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, I like to. Let's see. I've taken personality tests. So yeah, I'm trying to think trying of those. To recall the try, answers. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of those words. Um, uh, very creative yes. um, and uh, very empathetic. Empathetic. I like it. Beach or mountains? For vacation. Uh, mountains for sure. Mountains for sure. Done Kilimanjaro a couple times. Uh, so. Really? Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite superhero? Um, my mom. My dad. Um, and your dad. Yeah, I was going to ask you who you admired, but they're the superheroes. I love it. Yeah. Um, binge watching right now. What are you watching? You had a long flight from Tanzania. What are you, <laughs> oh, what are you watching gosh. right now? <laughs> um, Narcos, Mexico. Yes, why not? <laughs> um, uh, what is your favorite summer activity? Summer activity. Um, let's see. I really love bourbon, so... Mm. Um, I live in, you know, the bourbon capital world. of the world, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of, we have a lot of time doing tastings and doing distillery tours, and I host a lot of friends that come in town, and so that's all a really fun summer event to do. Yeah. Um, I also love cooking, you know, so. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm not that great of it, at great like at it. it, but I enjoy doing it. You like to do it. Um, you've been into 25, 25 countries. Favorite country? See, I'm asked this a lot, and it's so hard. It's a hard one. Because there's so much beauty in so many different places and in different ways and cultures. So I'll kind of answer this the best way. The best food I ever had was in Iraq. Um, Mm. I went there in 2017. The best cultural experience was in India, uh, or Darjeeling, India, Mm -hmm. in the border of Nepal. And um, the most beautiful place I've been was probably Nepal. Nepal, mm. beautiful. And you love the mountains. I love, I think mountains is just, just, yeah. Yeah, it's just gonna do it for you. Uh, Favorite book when you were growing up? Um, Into Thin Air. Into Thin Air, I like that. Coffee or tea? Uh, Both. Love it. And where would you retire? Where would I retire? Um, Probably here. Yeah, I love Louisville. Awesome. I've been kind of all over. I've been at all over the United States on tour and stuff, but mm-hmm. I love Louisville a whole lot. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Clay Cook, it's been a pleasure to interview you. Yeah, thanks. I can't wait to uh, see what's next. I can't wait to continue to follow you on Instagram because I, I do. I love the pictures. I love the story that I can see just from looking at a person's eyes that you've captured. So uh, I can't wait to stay tuned to what's next. Uh, uh, shout outs. What is next? You doing a book? Are you doing a coffee table? Are you on tour? Are you doing this? Are you what? You, what, you, what you got going on? Um, that well, we can look out for it. Let's see. Um, working on a job for West Palm West Palm Beach um, tourism. So doing something down there. Cool. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, going back to Tanzania. Actually, doing Kenya in mm-hmm. July. Man. Then I'm the big thing I'm working on right now. There was a personal project um, for a company called Onchal, hmm. and um, they're Louisville based. Um, textile company that um, basically works with women that have come out of slave labor and sex trafficking Mm -hmm. and they um, employ those those women and um, and they work in India and so we're going in India in September and then I'm also working on another human trafficking job um, with Natus, so yeah, it's amazing. it's busy. It's busy, yeah. busy stuff. A lot of traveling. Which is, you know, we'll all be jealous, we'll be here. You know, we'll just, we'll, we'll admire from afar. That is amazing. So please make sure that you follow Clay Cook on Instagram, Facebook, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. everything. Twitter, the, all the things. Clay Cook photo across the board. All the way across the board, and dot com. Yep, claycookphoto.com. Fantastic. Thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and taking time to get really in-depth in a lot of those questions. I really appreciate that. I know a lot of photographers, videographers, or individuals who are leaning towards that are going to appreciate it. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks. appreciate it. Thank you to those who sponsored and supported this episode. And the biggest thank you to Sophia Mobley Photography and Videography for being the dopest producer, sound engineer, and editor in the land. Please like, share, and subscribe at The Failure Report on YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Watch, Instagram, IGTV, and on Twitter at Report Failure since The Failure Report was taken. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, or wherever you consume content. To get notifications on our upcoming episodes, please visit our website at thefailurereport.org. There you can subscribe to become a fellow failure and get access to our blog and merchandise. We have things like mugs, t-shirts, notepads, you know, all the things. I'm Dion Stokes. Thanks so much for listening.